As we begin the message this morning, I want you to think about the best news you have ever received. Maybe if you were younger, or you still are younger, that best news came in the form of making a team, or getting on an honor roll, or the culmination of something that you had worked for for a long time coming to fruition, and, and you were excited to receive that news. Maybe it was a scholarship. Maybe if you're a little older, it was, it was a job offer, or the birth of a child, whether it was your own or a grandchild, or maybe it was something else. But think for a moment about that news, the best news you've ever received, and, and think about how was it delivered? Who did it come through? Were you waiting for it for some time? Have you, have you ever been waiting for news for a long time and the expectancy is growing, the expectation is building? Have you ever been waiting for the news? And, and maybe here's a question or an interesting angle on it. Have you ever thought or hoped you were going to get really good news and then get something different instead. So I was thinking about that. My mind went to a time about a year and a half ago. Um, I had been the pastor here for a couple of years. And in the Wesleyan Church, for those of you that aren't aware, uh, pastors receive what's called a, a two-year initial call. So you come for two years. At the end of that two-year period, there's a reevaluation of that. And, and you can have another two-year call or another four-year call, or you can have what's called an extended call. And it's always a little bit of an interesting, uh, you know, conversation to navigate. We have a district superintendent, fortunately, which helps a little bit because, you know, if I'm thinking two years and the board's thinking extended or vice versa, or if one of us is thinking, you know, it's probably two years was enough. Let's just move on. You want to be able to have that conversation. So our district superintendent got involved. He asked me, he's like, what are you thinking? I was like, well, I would love to be here forever. Uh, So maybe extended call. And so he talked to the board. They were thinking the same thing. So I was presented to the church uh, for an extended call. And then you were to vote on that. And some of you were here. And some of you were part of that vote. And the way that it was supposed to go, the communication from that was as soon as the information was available... My district superintendent was going to give me a call and let me know the results of the vote. Now, I wasn't terribly nervous. I was hoping for good news. I was anticipating good news. I wasn't thinking it would take very long to count the votes. And so I was expecting a phone call around 1230, maybe 1245. There's very competent people making these decisions, you know, counting these votes. And so one o'clock came around and Two o'clock came around, and I didn't want to be that guy, you know, that's pestering my district superintendent. So I waited all the way till 2.23 p.m., and I said, okay, Wes, um, I just sent a nice, gentle text message. Maybe he's busy. I said, hey, have you heard anything about the vote? And he says, uh, yeah, it was decent, but we should probably talk, which was not what I wanted to hear. Let me tell you how these things go. Like, you feel called by God to be in a certain place, and you're hoping that the people that, that are voting on this will affirm that call, and you want it to either be like as close to 100% as possible or as far from 100% as possible. You don't want like this 76% or something, and the whole decent made me think, oh, it's 76%. So he let me sit with that for exactly one minute, and then he sent another text that says, ah, this is so funny. It was really good. You'll be hearing something from Rick soon. I am at a wedding, by the way. So, you know, he had a little bit of it off. And I was so relieved, right? Because there's also 
flip side, when you're anticipating or fearing news, that is the hardest news to wait for. And yet, when it turns out to be good news, that may be the strongest emotional reaction that we can have is when we were dreading the news, terrified of the news, and it turns out to be a miracle, the best news ever. And that's our context today as we turn our attention to continuing our sermon series. The message today is titled, A Thrill of Hope. And we've been getting our sermon titles from one of my favorite Christmas carols, O Holy Night. And it's the phrase that precedes the title of the whole series, A Thrill of Hope, A Weary World Rejoices. To experience the relief, the release of tension, the release of dread, and to have joy flood in is such a powerful contrast. We'll be talking about that today. We'll be focusing on the angelic announcement of Jesus to the shepherds as we continue our series. Last week, we talked about the soul feeling its worth. The soul felt its worth. And we talked about the incredible value that God places on our souls And also how love goes first. That God went first with us. He initiated relationship with us. He made a way for us to be reconciled to him. He went first. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he asked us to go first with others. He asked us in love to go first with others. Today, we continue our series and we continue this theme of a weary world rejoicing. That when that thrill of hope comes, when the good news of Christmas comes, we can rejoice together. And so if you'll turn uh, in the pew Bibles that are in the seats in front of you, it's page 1591. If you have a Bible with you or you just prefer to read it on the screen, it will be in Luke chapter 2 today. And it's a familiar story to many, especially if you've been around churches during Advent, uh, where we talk about the angel's proclamation, this, this good news of great joy, as we will see. And so I want to read verses 8 through 15 uh, to you, and then we'll kind of walk back through them together. Because there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, we're told, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them, And gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So there's a couple things we need to see in the context, in the setting of this announcement. In verses 8 and 9, we're told right off the bat that these shepherds were terrified. They were terrified. Now, you might be thinking, well, you know, they they were just surprised, right? Maybe they were just amazed. And and the Greek word that's used here, the original language word that's used here, speaks directly to terror. It's the 
Greek word phobeo. Like you've heard of phobias, arachnophobia, if you're afraid of, of spiders, agoraphobia, if you're afraid of large crowds and gatherings. There's all kinds of phobias, and they have one thing in common. They elicit fear or terror in the person that has them, what's been called an irrational fear. Now, in this case, it's reasonable to understand why they were terrified. There was no context for this. There was no context for an angel suddenly appearing from heaven and all the glory and all the splendor that would accompany this. There was no context. They'd never seen anything like this before. There were no YouTube videos of other people having similar experiences that might give them a reason to understand or to assimilate this into their own experience. There was no experience like this that they had ever had. So they were terrified. They were ready to run. (laughs) That's what that word phobeo really means is ready to put to flight. The fight or flight response was causing them to want to leave, to run away. And yet the first words out of the angel's mouth are, do not fear. Do not be afraid. For I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. What a beautiful statement to wipe away all the fear and the terror that they were experiencing and replace it with anticipation, replace it with that thrill of hope in which they could rejoice. Good news of great joy for all the people. They continue that a Savior is being born to you. He is Christ the Lord. It is a simple message for simple people. They're not big theological words. This was something they could understand. This is an announcement of the Messiah coming to be the Christ, the deliverer of his people, to set them free. This is good news of great joy. And that is the first part of the central message of Christmas. The central message of this announcement from the angels is good news of great joy that will be for all people. And don't, don't miss what kind of news it is. It's not neutral news. It's not bad news. It is good news. And don't miss what kind of joy accompanies this news. Not a little bit of joy. Great joy. And last but certainly not least, who is this news for? Is it for a handful of people? Is it for one specific group of people? No. This is good news of great joy for all people. This really is phenomenal. And that's the first half of the central message of Christmas is good news for great joy, of great joy for all people. The second part comes in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. That is good news. Christmas is about God's glory and your peace. That's the great joy. That's the good news of great joy, is God's glory in the person of Jesus Christ coming into earth to accomplish our peace, to bring us peace, to be our prince of peace. That is the central message of Christmas. And our bottom line today is that Christmas is all about God's glory and your peace. And when we think about God's glory... It's important that we understand 
It's not about God puffing himself up. God's glory is not about his ego. God's glory is not about him receiving something from us that he needs. He needs nothing from us, but he is worthy of all the glory that we can bring him. This is not about puffing up his ego like glory hounds here on earth, people that have to have glory of others. No, God's glory is different. His glory is so that we can pursue his glory and be satisfied. Christmas is about God's glory because we are hardwired to seek glory. And we will either seek it in God and be satisfied or we will seek it in ourselves and be continually dissatisfied. In fact, Paul David Tripp speaks to this, and it's a little bit longer quote, but bear with me. It's on several slides that you can read here. So follow along and and understand the main point that he's making because he says very clearly we human beings were hardwired for glory. This means that we are always living in pursuit of some kind of glory. Either our hearts have been captured by the temporary glories of the created world, or by grace we have been captured by the eternally satisfying glory of God. We are working for our own glory, pursuing some created glory, or living for God's glory, but we are always pursuing glory. Jesus came to liberate us from our addictions to glories that will never satisfy our hearts. He came to free us from our bondage to our own glory. And he willingly died for glory thieves. That's us. So that we would find our satisfaction in and live in service of the glory of God. Jesus not only revealed God's glory on earth, he died so that God's glory would be the final resting place for our hearts. You see, when we pursue our own glory, we will never have enough. But when we pursue God's glory and we make our lives about that and we turn our souls over to pursuing his glory, joining him in bringing glory to God, that all the world may see it and respond in faith and give their lives to God's glory, then and only then do we find satisfaction forever. Living for God's glory will truly and eternally satisfy us. So Christmas is all about God's glory. Christmas is also all about God's, I'm sorry, your peace. God's glory and your peace. And peace can only truly be found in Jesus Christ. Peace can only be eternally found in Jesus Christ. He is the prince of peace. He is the one who brings peace to us. But peace itself is a relational term. Peace involves peace between two things. And so I believe that there are three key relationships with, that Jesus came to earth for us to experience peace within. The first is our relationship with God. That Jesus brings us peace with God. And the good news of great joy at Christmas is that we can have peace with God. In fact, Paul says in Romans 5.1 that if you have been justified by faith, you have peace with God. You have peace with God. You're no longer at odds with each other. You're, there's no longer enmity between you and God. You're no longer enemies. You can be at peace with God. And that peace with God 
brings us freedom from fear, from anxiety, from worry. And if you have peace with God, if you've experienced that, if you've come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've confessed your sins, if you have accepted his grace, if you have pledged to begin a relationship with him and begin following him and pursuing him and pursuing his peace in every area of your lives, then you have peace with God and you can celebrate that at Christmas. And if you don't, the good news of Christmas is you can seek it. God is reaching out. His love went first. It's available to you. He wants you to have it. There is a gift for you to experience his peace, to experience peace with God. Secondly, to experience peace with yourself. To experience peace with yourself. To be able to forgive yourself for the things that you have done for your faults. To experience peace with yourself because as Romans also says, when Paul tells us in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And yet as a pastor, I often see people who are still living in condemnation. They're still condemning themselves. Can't forgive themselves for the things that they have done. And that begs the question, if, if you and God disagree about something, who is right? If God's word says very clearly there is no condemnation, then that includes you condemning yourself. Or, as we'll see in this third relationship, condemning someone else or allowing someone else to condemn you. The good news of great joy that comes at Christmas brings us peace with others as well. The Prince of Peace came to bring us peace with others. Romans 12, 18 tells us as far as it is possible for you live at peace among all people. And I like that wording because it recognizes that there are some people who are wholly committed to not being at peace with you. But as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. Allow the Holy Spirit to bear the fruit of the Spirit, which we heard in the Advent reading, the fruit of peace. To experience peace in your relationship with God, in your relationship with yourself, in your relationship with others. For as Colossians 3.15 says, as members of one body, we were called to peace. We were called to peace. That is the vision of the church, is to be at peace with God, with each other, and to bring the world into the church. So do you have peace with others? If so, you can celebrate that at Christmas. You can celebrate that the Prince of Peace has brought you peace with others. If you've been reconciled with people, if you have extended forgiveness, if you have made amends, those are all part of the Spirit of God bearing the fruit of peace in your life. And if you have no peace with others, or you have a lot of broken relationships, you can seek peace at Christmas. You can say, as far as it is possible, For me, I want to live at peace with these people. And you can seek to make amends. You can seek to right the wrongs. You can seek to repair the relationship. Because Christmas is all about God's glory and your peace. But it does not end with the Christmas story. The whole gospel is about God's glory and your peace. 
Jesus says in Luke 19.10, one of the foundational principles of the gospel of Luke, the foundational principles of the whole gospel, is that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He was on a divine rescue mission from the beginning to seek and to save the lost, the people that were separated from God, the people that were going to die in their sin and be separated for eternity. He came to seek and to save the lost. And the angel tells Joseph in Matthew 1.21 that he will save God's people, his people, from their sins. Jesus came to save us. Jesus came to bring us peace. Jesus came to save us from the penalty of our sin. This is the good news of great joy for all people. We talked about it last week, substitutionary atonement. That instead of me atoning for my sins, Jesus atones for my sins when I put my faith and my trust in him. He does for me what I cannot do for myself. As Romans 6.23 states so clearly, the wages of sin is death. Wages are what you earn when you do something. The wages of our sin is death, eternal death, eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is life in Christ Jesus. That is the good news of great joy for all people. Nobody's carved out from that. If anyone will come, if anyone will receive the good news, if anyone will confess their sins and ask Jesus to forgive them, they can receive the gift of God that is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Basically, Jesus took what we deserved so that we could have what only he deserved. And he did it for God's glory, and he did it for your peace. Peace with God, peace with yourself, peace with others. Because Christmas really is all about God's glory and your peace, and Jesus makes that clear for us. And today, as Pastor Zach alluded to, is a special day. We have an opportunity to celebrate in baptism with somebody. And it's a, it's a beautiful story. It's, as an invitation was made to join a banding together group, and a relationship was built, and and Lori Jones and her family started becoming more and more frequent here at Linwood and hearing us talk about baptism and recognizing she never made that public profession of her faith and followed her Lord in baptism. And so we get to celebrate that with her today. And I always like to make it clear because I don't know that the Spirit might not be tapping one of you on the shoulder and saying, you know what, she's not the only one getting baptized today. It's possible that somebody else might feel led to go through the waters of baptism, to make a public profession of faith in Jesus and a commitment to follow him. That's essentially what baptism is all about, that we make a public profession of our faith in Jesus and we commit to follow him all the days of our lives. As it was explained to me when I was making the decision to be baptized, even though I had been baptized as an infant and then had begun a relationship with Jesus when I was 19 and had become, come to grow in that, I was, it was explained to me that, that people are either curious, convinced, or committed when it comes to Jesus. They're curious about spiritual truth. They're learning. This is a great place to do that. At some point, people either reject Christ or they become convinced that it's true, that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said he would do, and that he can deliver what our soul needs most, which is peace with God, peace with ourselves and peace with others. 
But there's a third group, and that's those who are committed. They're not just convinced. They're committed. They're committed to living their lives for Jesus. They're committed to following him. It's not saying that you're perfect and sinless and that you will be from this point forward. It's saying that you have a new Lord and you have a new Savior and that you have accepted his grace and his forgiveness and you are affirming that he is the Son of God, that he died for your sins, that he rose from the dead, and that he will return and you will follow him until that point. And so you have an opportunity today. If you're hearing this and you want to be a part of that, if you're hearing this, you can meet me by those doors as we sing the response song and we'll talk about We've got the logistics covered. We've got clothes you can change into. We'll give you a free t-shirt. You can be baptized today. You can make a public profession of your faith in Christ today if you choose to do so. If you really want to, but you're just not ready to do that, we'll be filling that thing up again in a couple of weeks. And you could be baptized on the 26th. Or I've been on record. I'll fill it every week. (laughs) If somebody wants to be baptized, we will fill and we will celebrate. And so if you want to be baptized today, meet me by those doors after I leave this, this stage. If you'd like to be baptized in a couple of weeks, get in touch with me. Our African Wesleyan church that meets down the hall in the afternoons has come and said they've got eight people that want to be baptized. And so they're going to be baptizing eight people here after our service on the 26th. You're welcome to stick around and celebrate. It's going to be a great time. But right now, as I often say, my hope, my prayer, is that each and every person that's hearing this message will respond in faith to wherever the Spirit is leading them. If it's to come to Christ and to make peace with God, if it's to make peace with yourself, to finally lay it down, let it go, if it's to pursue peace with others, whatever God is leading you to, I pray that you will respond in faith. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you are our Prince of Peace, that you came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And we pray, God, that as we respond in faith to you, that your Spirit will compel us to either celebrate the peace we have or to seek wholeheartedly the peace we lack. May we experience your joy as a result of this good news of great joy that is for all people. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray.